Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts today. And as we study your word, that your Holy Spirit will have his way in our lives. And Lord, I pray that if, if there's anyone here today that you would uh, choose to call to serve you on the mission field, that their heart will be open to it. But Lord, that all of us will just determine to serve you faithfully, to surrender our lives to you, to be used of you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite chapters, we read, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. The Apostle Paul here speaks of these believers. He had worked with this church in Philippi. And he speaks of these being his joy and crown. What a blessing it is to win a soul to Christ and see that person growing. It's such a joy. And the Apostle Paul mentions his joy and crown. But he says, uh, stand fast in the Lord. We all know that uh, times are changing a lot and that in it's more difficult to be really to stand for the Lord than any time in my lifetime. You know, when I grew up here in Morrisboro, our high school principal, who, by the way, lived in, in Lattimore, just about three blocks from here, uh, Mr. Wilbur Martin was a born-again Christian, and he challenged us to live for the Lord. One day we had someone broke into the school, so he called chapel the next day and invited a preacher in to preach to us on the sin of stealing. And nearly all of my teachers were Christians in those days. But it's a lot, it's a different world now. And the Apostle Paul's instructions, stand fast in the Lord. Uh, um, I beseech Iodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same, same mind in the Lord. This was an example church, but not a perfect church. There were problems there. And these two ladies, I pronounce them Iodius and Syntyche, uh, Dr. Ironside made the comment. He said, no wonder these two ladies had problem. Look at their names, odious and so touchy, he said. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he's, but get your problems worked out. You know, in, in these 50 years, being in church planting and in ministry, I found that, that little things crop up and then just are a big hindrance in the work. We've got to conscience stand for the Lord and not let these little things bother us. I believe these, these ladies were obviously Christians because I think they, they, he's referring to them in chapter, in verse 3. He said, and I treat thee also, true yoke fella, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. I think he's referring to Iodius and Syntyche and who knows how many more. And uh, uh, with Clement also and other my fellows labors whose names are in the book of life. You know, uh, we don't even know who he's addressing here. Perhaps it's Epaphroditus, uh, but we're not sure who he's addressing at this point. But uh, he mentions those who labored with him in the gospel. And you know, there are a lot of unsung heroes in our day that, uh, that their names will never be mentioned uh, they won't be the popular people, but the important thing, he says, whose names are in the book of life. Just make sure that when that gospel song, when the roll is called up yonder, that you'll be there, that your name's on that book of life. And so that's what he's emphasizing here. Then he says, uh, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This epistle has often been called the epistle of joy. In chapter 3, verse 1, we read uh, where uh, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, so we, there, there's not much in this, uh, this world today that we can get excited about if we looked at the political scene, the financial and all, but we can rejoice in the Lord because his, 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 we sing, great is thy faithfulness. What a joy to hear you sing that. And God is faithful. We can trust him, whatever the situation. Well, as I look at this chapter, I want to leave four words of encouragement for you. Uh, is, uh, we'll find one of those in just a moment. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. God's presence. God is with us. We have his presence. You know, I would not have gone to the mission field had, had I not known that God would be with me. In the Great Commission, in Matthew chapter 28, uh, the Lord says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We have God's presence with us. Uh, We're not alone. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts to guide us. And so... uh, he says, the Lord is at hand. Perhaps the Apostle Paul was thinking of the second coming. I, I don't know. I do believe his coming is soon. But we know that he's at hand. He is near. So God's presence. Then verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing. Be, be anxious for nothing, let's say. I I visited a pastor, I was preaching in uh, Tipton, Indiana, and I went into the pastor's office, and he had a sign up over his desk. It said, why pray when I can worry? And I looked at him and said, Pastor Huffman, what's wrong with you? And he laughed. He said, well, you know, in about 40 years as pastor, I've found that uh, that my folks find me come up with problems and they worry about them and worry about them. And when they can't solve them, they finally say, well, you know, I got to pray about this. He said, obviously, why worry when I can pray? But he said, I do it to get the attention. But here uh, we read then uh, not to be anxious, but to pray, to let our requests be be made known to God. And the result of that is the peace of God. That's our second word, uh, God's presence, God's peace. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We find that word coming up again in a moment. Let's just go ahead and read these verses. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Uh, A a great model for our thinking. You know, in the Christian life, uh, 
when we get saved, the Bible teaches it very clearly that if a man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And we see those changes. They're not all immediately, but we see those changes taking place. And and by God's grace, we get rid of habits. Or a lot of times, it's our vocabulary that changes. It's our dress style that changes. It's our activities. But you know, the mind probably is the, is the biggest battlefield to control our mind. And here we have a uh, uh, to think on the things that are pleasing to God, to think on those things that are honest, pure, virtuous, and so forth. So we need to follow this verse. Then the Apostle Paul goes on to say, Those things which you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. We've seen the peace of God uh, there in the earlier verse, in verse 7, and now the God of peace will be with you. But we have to keep in mind that we cannot have that peace of God until we make peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, we read that, uh, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Until we're justified, until we're saved, until we're born again, we can't experience that peace. But God's peace is available for us. So his presence, his peace. And then the Apostle Paul at this point is th- starts thanking them for their support. He said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and now at, at last your care for me hath flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Um, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Uh, You know, the Apostle Paul had learned in whatsoever state. If you go to the mission field or if you become a pastor, you'll probably have some experiences where at times there's abundance, as the Apostle Paul will tell us a little bit later. And there are times of need. On the mission field, when we went to Mexico, we went independently, just out of our church, but we got counseling. So we raised $200 a month support to go to Mexico. And uh, by the way, not all of that came in every month. And at times, we went through some rather difficult times. I remember one thing, one experience we had. Margaret and I were committed to go to a church on Sunday morning, and it was a a bit distant from our house. We had a car, but the car was on empty, almost on empty. And so we had run out of money. So I went through all of my clothing and looked for coins and everything. I came up in pesos with the equivalent of 24 cents. That's all I could come up with. Now, I will say that the gas was very inexpensive in Mexico then, the Pemex Gas Company. I don't know just what it cost, but it was, it was not expensive. But there was a service station close to our house, so I told Margaret, I said, look, we will, we'll pray and we'll get up early on Sunday morning and we'll go to that service station and put in 24 cents worth of gas and we'll drive until we run out of gas and we'll, we'll walk the rest of the way. We'll get our exercise in walking. And so, uh, so we got up early, giving ourselves a lot of extra time I think an hour and a half or two hours because we were going to have, I figured we were going to have to walk. But I went to this service station and the fellow came out 
And I said, with a big smile on my face, I said, put me in the big quantity of uh, 24 cents. And he took the thing, and then I started talking to him. And, uh, and I kept talking, and he kept pumping. And uh, so I just kept talking. He, went, he passed it, and I saw that. But I just kept talking with a big smile on my face. And then all of a sudden, he said, what did you say? And I said, uh, 24 cents. He said, well, what am I going to do? I said, I'm sorry. I said, that's all I have. But I said, but I'll tell you what. I live just up here, and I told him where I lived. I said, in a few days, I will come by, and I will pay you that extra money. I said, but 24 cents is all I've got. You know, uh, he filled up. The, I mean, he, we closed it up. We drove to church, and we were able to drive back home. We, and I told Margaret, that's great. Uh, Monday is a better day for exercise anyway. And a few days later, I went by and took him a gospel track and talked to him, witnessed to him, gave him the money. But it's amazing how the Lord provides. There have been many, many times uh, that, in fact, uh, God confirmed to us his calling on the actual of the week that we went to Mexico. We were scheduled to be in Mexico February the, the 26th of 1960 to start our first term. Well, a pastor friend of mine, and like I say, we'd, we're raising 200 a month. A pastor friend said, look, he said, you spend your money on clothing, on what you need for, for Mexico, and I, my wife and I are going to go along with you, and we'll take care of all the expenses on the trip. We'll pay the gas. We figured we'd have to spend one night in a motel between uh, Georgia and Puebla, Mexico. So, so we did. We went out. We had some money, but we bought clothing and things we thought we would need, packed our car full of things. And on, uh, on Monday morning, the pastor called me and he said, you know, we were supposed to leave on Friday. He said, my wife is sick and we're not going to be able to go, but don't worry, we'll come and see you at a later date. We definitely want to see you and, and we'll be praying for him. I thanked him and hung up and I told Margaret, I said, what are we going to do? He was going to pay our expenses. I don't, we don't have the money. So I figured I didn't have computers in those days or calculators, but I figured it up. Gas at 31 cents a gallon and one oil change I had to get and one night in a motel, and it came out to $101. Now, that was on Monday. And we didn't have, and we were to leave on Friday. Well, we didn't have a service schedule for Wednesday night, so uh, we decided to go to Flat Creek Baptist Church in Fayetteville, Georgia. I'd been there before, the pastor knew us, and I thought maybe he will ask me to preach and maybe they'll take up an offering for us and so forth, you know. Well, we got there on Wednesday night and he had invited another uh, missionary to preach that night. So uh, I thought, well, something went wrong in my prayers. But he said, Flay and Margaret are going, so uh, let's have them sing a duet before the message. So we sang a duet and... uh, when the service was over, a lady came over and she shook hands with me and she had a, a bill folded up in her hands. Uh, it was money. But, and uh, so she said, before my husband died, he told me to keep this for an emergency. She said, but you know, I've got a good job now. I'd like for you to use this on your trip to Mexico. So I thanked her and I put it in my pocket and we talked a minute. She turned around to walk off and I pulled it out of my pocket and looked at it. It was a $100 bill. So I headed across the church right then to tell Margaret. And before I could tell her, 
she gave me a $1 bill that a lady had given her, $101. You know, that just, uh, that, that sort of sealed it for us. We knew we didn't have any doubts before, but we certainly didn't after that. But anyway, uh, God's, uh, God's uh, gray, his presence, his peace. Let's go on a little bit further. Uh, I can do, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me, God's power. You know, we, we, can, we can't do the work on the field and, our, and the flesh will be a failure every time. But God sends us forth and he said, uh, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses and so forth. So we have God's power as we go forth. Let's uh, move on quickly now. Our time is almost up. But Paul says, not, not, notwithstanding, ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound in your account. Folks, when you give into God's work, you're laying up treasures in heaven. It's not the gift, he said, I desire fruit that may abound in your account. And uh, when our, when our uh, treasures are laid up in heaven, they're secure. When we were in, in, in 1998, Margaret and I went to Monterey, Mexico for two years, took a leave of absence so I could set up the music department for a Christian university there. And while we were in Mexico, I got a call one day and they said, sorry to tell you, but someone has broken into your house and they'd taken my computer, had taken their stereo system, taken instruments. We had, in fact, about everything that was worth anything. They said, hey, my treasure's in heaven. It wasn't in Spain to start with, and it's not in Greenville. It's in heaven. And the Apostle Paul is wanting to see him uh, there storing up treasures in heaven as you give to God's work. Let's continue. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent unto you uh, from, from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, God's provision. We have God's presence. We have God's peace. We have his power. We have his provision. And though we often think of this primarily in terms of finances, whatever our needs are, God is able to supply them. If it's uh, physical, we turn to God. If it's financial, we turn to God. If it's emotional, we turn to God. If it's for direction, turn to God. He's the one that can supply our needs. Uh, I'll close by telling you one other thing that happened. Uh, when we were getting ready to that summer in Cuba, God blessed in a very special way. But Evelio was Mexican, and he had, made, he had figured our, our expenses on the Mexican economy. We got to Cuba, and things were more than double the price of what they were in, uh, in Mexico. Batista was the dictator in Cuba at that time, and prices were high. Well, we ran out of money. We pooled our money and bought a value ticket to Mexico, and Bubba, Bubba Fowler and I were, had the uh, 
station wagon. We did have our ticket back to Key West, uh, but we didn't have money to buy gas to Pensacola where we needed to go. But uh, so we went ahead and, uh, but Roy Ackerley, that same missionary, gave me my accordion lesson. I had a New Testament in my pocket. Uh, he pulled it out and was looking at it and stuck it back in. And so when he shook hands with us, he said, don't forget Philippians 4.19. And I said, thank you, and so forth. And then when we got on the ferry, he yelled at us. He said, don't forget Philippians 4.19. A few minutes, I turned to Bubba. I said, Bubba, do you know what Philippians 4.19 says? He said, no. And I said, well, I don't either. So I opened up my New Testament. There was a $10 bill folded up there. And so uh, I memorized Philippians 4.19 then. Never forgotten it. God will supply our needs. We don't know how he's going to do it. But that gave us a good start. It wouldn't get us all the way to Pensacola, but we, we started and we went to Fort Myers where we'd stayed with a family on their way down. We got there like four o'clock in the morning. We drove all night, by the way, because we figured we were going to be hungry before we got to Pensacola and no money for food. So uh, we drove that night and we got to Fort Myers and we waited till about six or 6.30. And then we called the family that we'd stayed with and I told him, I said, look, we're just passing through. We finished our summer in, in Cuba. God has blessed. We wanted to share some of the blessings with you. And the lady said, well, have you had breakfast yet? I said, well, no. She said, well, come over. I'll fix breakfast. So we went over to their house for breakfast. And uh, we did not mention uh, needs at all, but shared blessings. And the lady was more sensitive, I think, than the husband. He was a doctor, by the way, very fine Christian man. But she had tears in her eyes she said you know we prayed for you while you were in Cuba she said but we should have helped she said if I were to write a check right now would you accept it and I said well yes if God's put it on your heart to to write a check uh, we would accept it and uh, so she wrote a check for $15 well we thanked her we didn't tell her about our need but we thanked them we drove to the bank and sat there until the bank opened cashed that check and we made it to Pensacola with a few hamburgers on the way. Listen, folks, uh, God promises his presence. He promises his peace. He gives us his power, and he promises a vision, his provision. So trust God. Uh, trust in him to lead you. Whatever he calls you to do, don't doubt. Just trust God. He will never let you doubt. Great is his faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'll speak to hearts today, that you will guide each student. Thank you that they're here preparing themselves for your service. I pray that you'll increase their faith and guide them, show them just what you have for them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.